Well, hello everybody. This is Tim Green with Rattle Magazine, and uh, this is Rattlecast number nine. We have Kat Lehman on the line. She's going to be joining us in just a little bit to uh, talk about her book, which I can put on screen right now really quick. Her book is Stumbling Toward Happiness, which we'll be looking at in just a moment. Uh, but first, I think it's always nice to start out with a with a um, warm-up poem, just to kind of get the ball rolling and let people stream in to the, uh, to the stream and join us. And uh, so I thought I'd read the uh, new issue of Rattle is just out. And um, I thought I'd read a poem from the new issue. And um, it's also back to school time. And uh, all the kids are out there. And next week's poet, Alexandra Umbless, has a poem. It's kind of a dark school poem, um, a high school kind of poem. I thought maybe we'd read that because she's going to be the featured poet next week. And here it is. This is Dissection by Alexandra Umlas. And actually, um, the uh, Wrightwood Literary Festival is coming up in two weeks. And last year, Alexandra Umlas was there. And um, she took this poem to, I have a workshop I do, like just a little editing round circle, like a critiquing group that we do uh, in the morning workshop at the Wrightwood Literary Festival. And she brought this poem. And uh, she read it for the class and showed it to everybody. And I said... Well, there's, there's nothing I can improve about this poem. I think maybe you should submit it uh, somewhere and maybe rattle. And then a few months later, she did. And um, so here it is. This is uh, Dissection by Alexandra Umlas. Dissection. Once on the bus ride to school, the girl saw a man smash another man's head into the sidewalk. The city bus kept moving down Atlantic, past the diner where pies were stacked like bacons, beacons, Beyond metal carts bulging with water bottles, bound bond businesses, billboards holding out impossible promises, her backpack full of biology, English, history, Spanish, math. The bell would ring, the teachers pacing linoleum floors would mark her papers with ink. The day went on like this, except for in biology class, where the girl was given a wrinkled formaldehyde mink with pink skin, like a baby, but with a tail and two sharp teeth. Nothing was soft, its insides rubbery, and she wanted what was soft. Oatmeal with cream for breakfast, the cotton threads of a gray sweatshirt that matched this morning sky. And they were told to cut the yellow fat of its body open, but also to respect the mink, its worm esophagus, threaded muscles, marble eyes. She took the bus home at 2.40 p.m., remembering the man framed in the window, the silent switching back and forth of skull, sidewalk, skull, the mink wrapped in plastic, its mouth hanging open, what tools she had laid out on the scratched table, scalpel, scissors, hands, what is cut away and what remains. The girl closed her eyes, pushed herself against the bus's exoskeleton, went over again the systems, respiratory, circulatory, digestive, until she arrived home, peeling all that death off her shoulders the girl ate dinner because what was done was done nothing would bring the mink back and the man was okay or he wasn't so that was alexander umlis reading dissections she'll be the featured poet next week so um, you can hear more about that in her book that's too far away to reach but her new book will be the one we're going over to next week and um i thought it'd be interesting to read that poem not only because it's back to school time but also because our poet today is a PhD biochemist. So I'm sure um, um, Kat Lehman was dissecting a lot of things back in school too. And um, um, her book, like I said before, is Stumbling Toward Happiness. Kat Lehman, she's a PhD scientist and a happiness and personal empowerment author. 
And she's been writing poetry, I think, not for all that long, just maybe five or ten years or something. I'm not sure exactly what. But um, but she um, is a scientist by training, has been working as a scientist for 30 years, and then she started blogging, I think, and then turned to poetry. And now she's the author of three books in her own press. So she's an amazing poet and uh, author, and she's with us right now. Um, just one second, let me bring her in. Here she is, Kat Lehman. Uh, say hi, Kat. Hi, Tim. It's it's great to be here on the Rattlecast. I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm really, gr- really glad fun. to have you. Um, um, yeah. I think it's really, really fascinating that you're a, a PhD in biochemistry, because um, that, that was my career path. I think we talked about this on Facebook one time, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. I, I don't have a PhD. I didn't even have a degree. I didn't finish my... Um, my thesis. So I sort of have the, mm-hmm. I took the classes as an undergrad and then didn't finish. But, um, mm-hmm. but, but I sort of, sort of imagine you as being some, someone I could have become or something. So it's kind of interesting <laughs> to see the way the world works and that it spirals well, all and, back and, 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 you, and, and you become and, a poet anyway. <laughs> that's right. And vice versa. Right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny how, how lives kind of intertwine that way. Right. And career paths and things. <laughs> You know, and, and it's interesting because, like with biochemistry, that I, I always found like the the more deep you look into something, the more you see the poetry in things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just becomes this thing you can't even like. It's so elegant, yeah. You, know? yeah. It's, it, you can't even describe it. So um, it's it's not to me. It's not that that far away. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was gonna maybe we should just start talking about that. I was gonna have you read a poem first, but but since we're kind of already accidentally talking about it, um, it's yeah. just such an interesting. You know, you, people think of like the STEM classes as not being art, and so it's an interesting thing. We did a whole mm-hmm. science poets issue um, back in maybe mm-hmm. three or four years ago, and um, mm-hmm. so there are a lot of people who do both science and poetry, but it's not something that the general public kind of thinks is related. So, how do you think science and poetry are related? Well, I mean, I, I think that that sort of um, way I said it, it kind of explains it a bit. Where for for me, I my first um, poem that I ever wrote was a sonnet in iambic pentameter in high school, which I think is what I thought poetry was. But And it wasn't until I went to graduate school that in my 20s I discovered poetry. And so I actually got in the habit of being in lab all day for like 12 hours and then coming home and reading poetry for another three or four hours. And so to me it was actually a really nice balance of, of the different parts of my of my brain but still sort of finding the, the, the beauty of nature mm-hmm. in different ways. Um, so, um, but I, I was, I got really um, uh, obsessed about poetry in my 20s. And anyone yeah. who knew me at that time can say, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, you know, and just uh, like trying to push what, what's possible mm-hmm. in language. Yeah, that was the same, I that was the to... same experience for me. And actually what happened is um, yeah. I, um, I was taking, I started taking just a little bit, a few creative writing classes and I thought, well, maybe I'll dual major in English because this is really fun. And then I ended up... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having la- a lab day where I was supposed to have like a three hour lab and do something. And I just didn't mm-hmm. show up because I was like in the middle of writing, I think a short story, not a poem. But, um, mm-hmm. and then I just decided, well, I'll just fake the lab. And uh, then I realized, wait a minute, I'm faking my labs <laughs> and staying under, right? So maybe, maybe this isn't the job for me. Um, <laughs> so, um, what is it specifically that you do as a, as a scientist? I, I think it read that you're an eth- ethicist. Is that science ethics? Yeah, well, so um, I, I I was um, a biochemist, and I, I um, well, I am a biochemist, but I, I was actively doing uh, lab research for many years. I was studying uh, RNA protein interactions, mm-hmm. um, and and then um, it kind of got to a point where 
you know, honestly, it became a little bit difficult as a woman in science. And I thought, you know, this isn't really what I want to spend the rest of my life. Like, this is not the wall mm -hmm. I want to throw myself against for the rest yeah, of my life. Yeah. And so I kind of thought, well, like, what else can I do with a PhD in biochemistry? And then that's when I really started to explore other things. Things I found was um, um, ethics, sort of, for, um, um, so I, I was at, um, Yale University, and I would review uh, research studies that involve humans, say clinical trials or or like psychology or economics experiments, and and make sure that they were compliant with the regs and that they were um, ethical. Mm -hmm. And and it was it was really kind of a fun way to try to make science a better place, you know, and and sort of to, to learn about a lot of different types of science. And yeah, know yeah. what was going on. So mm -hmm. anyway, but. Um, but but that's what I I was I was doing. That's what I'm doing now um, is is that, and I'm I'm managing uh, um, clinical trials, like the regulatory startup of clinical trials as oh, well. Uh -huh. Okay, <laughs> ah, I see. <laughs> so <laughs> that's just my yeah. Yeah, and anyway, you're and you're still working. You're still working mm -hmm. in that full time and and finding time to read poems. Um, uh, part time or, now, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, which is it's good. It's it's some nice balance between the the writing and I've got two kids and. Mm -hmm the science. So it's kind of all somehow clicked together into yeah, this yeah. puzzle that's sort of at the moment working. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you want to uh, read great. a poem to, to um, start us off? Yeah. About like what would be a good one to just start with? Um, like how does a, uh, a biochemist become a poet? Mm -hmm. or, you know, and just like, and I, I came to that feeling of wholeness. And so I kind of wanted to read, um, Isness. Um, um, I forgot to say, uh, let me know the page number. Stumbling toward kind of, but yeah. And then uh, I can uh, show 54? it on screen. Yeah. 54, you said? Yeah. Okay. Yep. 54. Isness. Okay. Isness. I cannot gather the intent of my life by digging a hole to crawl into. Instead, I must assemble a mountain. I want to surrender to a pile of what is and not be conquered by it. I want to turn it carefully in my palm, weigh the substance of it, taste its sweet and its salt, touch its foam and sharp edges. Most of all, I want to surrender to the mountain of myself, stone by stone, volcano to avalanche, and climb. I will sail, I will sail this imperfect vessel until it empties, another waning crescent spilling stars so it's it's sort of um to me and I, I think it's kind of a theme that runs through um a lot of my 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 poems is sort of um trying to find the wholeness that is whole not the wholeness that we would necessarily choose mm -hmm. but the wholeness that is whole and being really inclusive about all the different areas of our, our life and different parts of ourselves mm -hmm. so um that's isness um so I, I could talk about, um, you know, the, the history of just of, of, of moon full of moons, which then like leads into the other books, because that's sort of, um, it's sort of like how I went from um, being a reader of poetry to a mm -hmm. writer. Of poetry. Yeah, yeah. How did you do that? Yeah. So, um, um, so, you know, when I was in grad school, I was obsessed with poetry. And, and when we moved and about... 2005, my husband and I moved um, to Connecticut from uh, San Diego. We were living at the time. 
we were in a new state. We didn't know anyone. And then we had our first child. And so we were all alone as parents. We, we didn't know anyone. Um, and, it, and we didn't really have a, a mentor for motherhood either because um, I should say my, my mother uh, had, had schizophrenia and was, was very, um, was very, you know, difficult. It's very, you know, um, um, erratic, abusive behavior and very difficult. So, so um, I was at the point where we were living away from anyone that we knew new parents, um, kind of having all these stressors in, in our, our, our lives. And I had started blogging, like you said, and, and no one really read that blog because it was mostly kind of conversations with myself. And, and there is a, a point where I kind of thought, you know what, I, I, I need to find a way um, to be happy even though circumstances won't change. You know, things are, are what they are, but I need to be happy anyway. And that's when I started to write poetry. It all kind of just started pouring out of mm -hmm. me, like complete poems and or or mostly complete poems that were kind of questions that would answer them themselves by the time I got to the end. And it kind of um by, by the end of a couple of years, I had over a hundred oh, poems. Wow. <laughs> and not all of them made it into moons full of moons, but 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 I would just lay them out on, on the floor and, and order them according to um the phases of the moon because the moon had become a, a a, a metaphor to me of trying to find a light that has known darkness. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I kind of, like we said, you wanted to talk about happiness too. I mean, I, I kind of think that there are two kinds of happiness. Mm -hmm. There's that like easy happiness, like of a kid eating ice cream, you know, that easy ice cream happiness. Yeah, yeah. And then, it, and then there's sort of that more almost adult, if you will, happiness. Mm -hmm. Cause at this point we, We've all seen sadness and loss and all of this and finding happiness in spite of that. And it's, and that's, I think the, the process and it, you know, we, I think tend to um, want to still try to find that ice cream happiness all the time. But, but I think what we need to focus on is finding that happiness that is mm -hmm. kind of whole that like acknowledges our whole journey, yeah, you know? Yeah. So, so um, anyway, let me just read a, uh, a couple from in full and as i know this is not the, the oh, no no it's, good. it's really just you know yeah it's kind of the journey i guess if you will um so moon, where's the camera moon full of moons um um 48 and, and there's a tanka at the bottom which is a five line um um japanese form poem and tankas don't usually have um Titles, but this is part of a series that's called Mental Illness. Uh, she, she, she left slowly, so slow. It took half a life to realize she was never here. She left slowly, so slow. It took half a life to realize she was never here. And I should also mention that like none of the poems in Moonful of Moons were previously published because I didn't know that some people <laughs> did. I just... Completely just didn't know. I just wrote a book. And um, so um, I'll read um, on uh, 61, Matriarch. I let go of the illusion that someone else will lead the way. No one will take the reins. No shining light shows the path. It's time I owned it with the dark corners sat in the dusty throne, claimed the family heirlooms and tossed the dying things. 
I will set down the weight of denial to live an honest, to lift an honest living. It's time to trust the instinct that brought me here today. The will is strong but uncertain. Who will teach the children to sow? I look to the elephant matriarch leading her her herd. D does she ever doubt herself? What does she do when the lions roar in the night? She trusts herself as I do. I will. No one stands above me now. I mold in perfect clay. I shape the days of family as I will our way along. Our path is forged alone. The labyrinth has straightened while walking crooked roads. A new land has awakened. And I, I love that one, how with the choice to kind of just like have confidence in yourself, it, it snaps into a run. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At the end there. Um, the last one I'm going to read from Moon Full of Moons. Um, it's kind of funny. I said, I said how the, um, I kind of was using the, the moon as sort of a, a, a metaphor for, um, for, for finding light that's known darkness sort mm -hmm. of well it occurred to me at the end of the book i mean i you know the way poems at least for me sometimes will answer themselves i i kind of i was waiting for the poem that that answered the question for me of the book and then i thought but you know what? I'm not a moon. <laughs> Silly as he sounds, I'm not the moon. I can I can shine my own light. I don't need to like reflect it from mm -hmm. whatever circumstances yeah, yeah. are around me because there might not always be light around me. I can still shine my own light. So that's pulling and that finished the book. So um, 107. It's a, <laughs> uh, pulling down the sun. The moon breath we see is an illusion. The moon is always full, yet mirror empty. Unlike the moon, I own the light I shine, as my fire grows in brightness, spiraling outwardly. So I pull down the sun and glow from within to see possibility in a star field overarching. There is a constellation of which my light is a part. I sculpt the shape of it and tell its mythology. And I find like a stone, I am always the perfect size. I am the stone of my skies. And at, at the end there, that stone thing, I was walking along a beach and I, I picked up a stone and I thought, you know, we never say that a stone is somehow wrong. Like this is a bad mm -hmm. stone. It, it, you know, we just accept that stone as they are. And, and I thought that's like our personal truths, you know, they just are. Um, so we can kind of just try to accept that yeah. a bit more. So that's Moon Full of Moons. Um, and then um, it, it was, it was to me, it was, you know, I'm, I'm an only child. My mother was an only child. So to me, it was kind of a witness too. like, I could put um, the poems together and then just like, let them go. And it was like, I didn't have to remember mm -hmm. it all anymore. You know, I could work through it and then just let it go. And, and it, it was, it was pretty powerful. And, it, and the uh, Journal of Poetry Therapy actually had a two page spread on it because it turns out what I was doing was poetry therapy. So, I mean, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's actually pretty uh, great. And, um, but other people said, you know, I never told anyone this before and they would tell me their, like their story of loss. And, and so that was, it, it was really a blessing when that, mm -hmm. that happened. Um, but then a lot of other people said, you know what, I don't <laughs> read poetry. <laughs> Which, well, yeah. sure you've heard that, yeah. you know, we think we, we've <laughs> all heard it. Right. And so I kind of thought, what is it like to to um, 
to write a book of poetry that doesn't immediately mm-hmm. look like poetry, just so people will pick it up and read it. And and that's where mm-hmm. small sentence came from. But I, I can go into that. It's, I should just um, yeah, yeah. reorder here. Did you have anything to say? <laughs> well, no, you're supposed to. It's supposed to be you. Uh, you know, we're 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 exploring okay. your mind okay, and your poetry. So, uh, you know, I don't want to talk okay, too much. I, really... I I don't want to log anything. So, um, okay, yeah. So, so, so I'll, I'll put up small yeah. stones on the screen here. This is small stones on the river, from the river, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Small stones from the river, and that that um. So it's it's mostly like haiku and tanka and other. There are these little like. I call them like nameless beasts. They're these little like they're, it's like poetic prose, um, but they kind of to me have a sensibility of haiku, and that when you, you know there's like a leap of understanding, and there's they're kind of magical in some way, and they kind of when you stand in the middle of them, they're kind of bigger on the inside than they are outside, and it, and so it's they're not haiku or tanka, but they kind of have have these threads of them, and I call them small stones because. I think about when I walk along a river and I, I think, oh, that's my stone. And I put it in my pocket for later. And I think words mm-hmm. are the same way. The words can, in poems can be that way. Like that really speaks to me. And so um, anyway, so I, I will read um, sort of, a you know, so I, I, I should say I, I did um, smell since the river completely on my own. I had no idea what I was doing. And I thought I'm just going to mm-hmm. keep it really simple. Um, so there's no page numbers, oh, really? there's no table of contents. There's, a, there's actually more space on the pages mm-hmm. than I thought there was going to be. I thought there was going to be some space, but there's more because I just didn't know about the formatting. But actually, it's great because people use oh, it really? as a journal. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like writing prompts. Like, um, but but um, the only part of it I I didn't do was the the cover art. My, my friends in Bangalore, India, uh, Su- mm-hmm. Subhashami Chandramani, she had the cover of small yeah all three but... books are beautiful anyway, and, that, and that's um, something i always um thank you we had we had um pavana reddy on who does her own books too and that's the thing people i think yeah. don't realize today is that you can make your own books and make them just as as beautiful as art objects as um as as books published by a press or a small press um if you're not i always yeah. tell people if you're not planning on um, being a professor of, of literature somewhere and you don't need it for your CV, you might as well just self-publish because then you have control over everything and, and you can make it the way you want. And um, and, and stuff comes out mm-hmm. beautiful and, and it comes out in, in interesting ways too. Like you, you mentioned all that white space using um, you know people using it as a journal. Um, <laughs> it's actually a really cool idea that, that no, I've yeah. never heard a publisher you know think of that before. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that's a great idea actually that kind of accidentally happened only because you, you're stumbling mm-hmm. toward uh, happiness, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, so <laughs> yeah, it's really great absolutely. to self-publish. And I, I really, um, um, you know, just hope people do that because why the hell not <laughs> is my opinion about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you that when you get to three, they start to begin become like a, mm-hmm. a herd of kittens. <laughs> and you start to feel like, okay, yeah, <laughs> many yeah, of these can yeah. I handle on my own? But, <laughs> but it, it is, it is um, it's really fun. Um but let me just read um, a, a, a series, and they're all really short. Um, so, the, and these are all from mm-hmm. Small Sins of the River. Your body is a part of the planet, and your breath is a part of the atmosphere. You are the interface between earth and sky. 
I am falling in love with the sound of my breathing, with the feeling of my lungs as they stretch and relax. The breath that I borrow becomes the boundless sky, the trees and I marry in the air. You are one of the great expressions of nature. You are a mountain, a field of wildflowers, a fish, a tree growing toward the sun, a curious wind, beautiful, free, a sky looking for its moon, only to realize it had it all along. The way I am sky, the way I am moon. You are only as strong as you let yourself become. You are a seed that pushes through the soil to unfold the waiting flower of you. Nature never asks, how do I look? Or apologizes for its seasons. Not even the ones that dull the colors, burn the plains, send animals to sleep for months. Nature is not flustered when it is ignored. Nature knows what it needs to, to do. It keeps changing tides, spinning planets, breathing forests, folding mountains, erupting sidewalks with blooming wildflowers. Someday untethered, I will surely rise to slip between the light of the stars. And that's like about seven or eight small stones, you know, and some more tanka in there, but um, so that's just mm -hmm. a sample. And, you know, it, it, it was actually kind of a, amazing to me. Um, you know, I, I wrote it as something that anyone would just pick up and at least, you know, check out. But, but then um, it was amazing, like, Mm -hmm. Yoga studios started to use it at Savasana, and there was a school that had it as a summer reading list and as mm -hmm. a, as writing prompts. And um, you know, the people that come up to me in science and say it's yeah. it's their oracle, like in the, mm -hmm. the beginning of the day. It's it's just it's kind of funny how you you know we think we know what mm -hmm. we're putting into the world, but once we we let it go, we don't always know mm -hmm. what becomes of it. And that's and that's kind of the fun thing of yeah, I think yeah. of all art. You know, it's like a, mm -hmm. a conversation. Yeah, it's like the, the grand think, dialogue the of humanity, I think, is what art is. Um, let, yeah. me, let me ask, how yeah. did you get it um, out in the world, though? You know, being your own press, um, you know, I think a lot of people, I think what's really interesting, one of the interesting things about you is that being a scientist, I think you probably think in a lot more um, analytical ways than a lot of artists do. And I noticed you have a lot of... Um, um, you have bookmarks everywhere. You have a lot of like swag, you know, you have a lot of promotional stuff. Like you, you don't treat it like I'm an artist and my vision is so grand that, that everybody will find it. You, you find ways for people to find it. Um, so, so how, what did you do? How, yeah. you know, you mentioned it ended up in a yoga studio. How did that, how did that happen? How did it end up in the world? Because there's, there's, I think, I don't remember the number, but there's something like 2 million books published uh, a week or something like that. So how did, how did, how does your... Wow. Your book, yeah, I mean, it's a crazy big world. Um, how do, so how does your book, um, how, how did it get out in the world? Um, well, so um, um, Small Stones and Stumbling are, are, are this uh, uh, um, Amazon uh, mm -hmm. uh, KDP yeah, yeah. print. So, um, so, so, but I, I think the first time with the, the Yoke City, I have a, a, a friend in um, um, Albuquerque, New Mexico, who, who, who has a, a yoga studio there. And she was the first one, at least that I knew of, that started to use it, you know, for t to 
lead Savasana. And, and then I was like, oh, this is great. So I kind of like tweeted that. And I think other people, I don't know, where mm -hmm. it came up at the signing. I, I, I'm also, um, every summer I, I'm at th this uh, festival locally that's called, oh yeah, the, the uh, Open Arts Yoga and Arts Festivals. So there's a lot of yoga people there too. And so I don't know, I think just after a while, you know, mm -hmm. and, and then the other thing, you know, because it was, I hate to say the word popular, because it's not always a good thing, mm -hmm. but, but, but because it was clicking with people, mm -hmm. let's say, I decided, why don't I just give it away, which is mm -hmm. kind of a, not probably the way people usually think about things like that, but that's how I was thinking. Mm -hmm. I, I do these happiness experiments, and one of them I was doing at the time was, um, I was, you know, when you find a dollar, mm -hmm. um, it kind of can make your whole day, I mean, not maybe your whole day, but it's, you get really excited and you tell your friends, hey, I found a dollar on the sidewalk, you know? Uh -huh. And I thought, what if I leave a dollar on the sidewalk? That's going to make some strangers whole day. Mm -hmm. And, and it was um, because, you know, I can't really buy a lot for a dollar, but it's almost like the dollar is worth more when I give it away. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing that a little bit around New Haven. I'd just leave it on a park bench, leave it like un un under a windshield, just, you know, randomly. Mm -hmm. And it was so fun. <laughs> just like, you know, just a dollar here and there. Not yeah, you know, a lot, yeah. but just now and then. And then, I, and then when Small Sins came out, it's like, what about a whole book? Mm -hmm. yeah, that would be yeah. really cool. <laughs> and so I, I thought, all right, I'm going to um, try this with five books. Just leave them somewhere randomly in the country or, or in my area or whatever. Mm-hmm. And at first I thought, you know, this is, um, is this wrong? Am I doing, am I going to get in trouble for like this? Is this because no one does this? Mm -hmm. So you think like, <laughs> is there a reason we don't do this? Because, you know, and I put like note inside, you found a ripple of kindness, you know, mm -hmm. feel free to, to share with a friend or, or keep in like, we can all put something good in the world just by mm -hmm. doing it. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and now it's, it, it's like the most satisfying thing in the world. Mm -hmm. and, and so now, um, I wrote down the number, I think, um, I've done this in 12 states and nine countries. Oh, wow. <laughs> because I, I, have people, I have friends that like to travel, to travel. And, uh -huh. um, and then that, now to the point where um, uh, book fairies, I call them, mm -hmm. they'll, they'll, they'll like take a copy or they'll even buy a, a, a copy, an extra copy and say, I'm going to this place. You mean leave a book somewhere? And I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, just send me a picture. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's just fun. And it's, it's really fun to give... Um, just just put something out into the world and not feel like you have to be part of an organization mm -hmm. you can just do it yourself and all yeah, of us can yeah. do that mm -hmm. we can all do that for in many ways not just with books and dollar bills or whatever mm -hmm. but, yeah that's um, interesting i um i was doing that with rattles too and i tried oh, to start cool. a hashtag which is one of those things it was just like an idea that i didn't really um you know really push very much at all but i made mm -hmm. the hashtag leave your lit and I thought it would be fun to, after people yeah. read their literary magazines, to leave them in. Um, I started with a, um, I was getting my oil changed, so at my, you know, mechanic shop. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. um, so I took a little picture with that hashtag. And I did a few, you know, doctor's offices and things like that. And really everywhere mm -hmm. I go, I kind of forgot to, to, you know, make it a Twitter thing. <laughs> but, uh, but still, <laughs> everywhere I go, if I go to a doctor's office, I just leave a copy of Rattle or a copy of some other literary magazine in with mm -hmm. all the, you know, O Magazine and Sports Illustrated and whatever they have there because mm -hmm. poetry's never there. And, um, yeah. and I've talked to a couple of doctor friends of mine, and um, they say that the problem with subscribing to magazines, actually, is that so many people leave with them that it's actually hard to keep their uh, magazine racks full. 
because people will be like half reading an article and then they'll uh, not want to stop and then they'll be called and then they'll uh, steal it. And so the, the magazines keep just disappearing and it's kind of frustrating. But if it's, if it's people taking literature, I think that's a great thing. So, um, yeah. so I think it's great to leave your lit. And, and um, the only problem with, with Rattle is there's so much, um, you know, content that's not necessarily positive. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's kind of a, I don't know if it's X-rated, but there's a lot of R-rated stuff and there's a lot of things that might, you know, have different kind of reactions from people. So I wonder, I always wonder, you know, who's going to pick this up and, and take a look at some of the strange things we publish. But, uh, but with your books, um, they're very positive and very u- universally appreciable or appreciable. Is that a word? Whatever the word is. Um, they're the kind of things that you really can leave, leave there and um, have people be glad that they picked them up for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's sort of, you know, that was sort of like um, a, 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 a love letter to the world when I started to put it, you know, around places, that kind of thought. This is just kind of, you know, I thought, you know, after I, I leave it somewhere, it's not up to me who finds it. It's like mm-hmm. out of my hands. And that's kind of something satisfying about that, too, you know, just sort of putting it out there, you know. Yeah. So, um Anyway, those are my my some of my happiness experiments uh-huh. that I do, and and another one is just like if you're really bad mood is is um t- to just um to almost just pretend that you're happy like you know you pretend that you're just that the completed perfect not perfect but just that person and you're so happy inside and you just go out into the world as an experiment even if you're feeling really down mm-hmm. and it's weird because people will respond to that, you know, and then before you know it, it's like a positive feedback loop yeah, where, yeah. you know, strangers start smiling at you or someone's mm-hmm. like, well, well, like a wave you want in traffic to go ahead of them, you know, just stuff like, and it's really yeah, yeah. just, it's interesting. I just kind of, I, I like to play around mm-hmm. with these happiness experiments. Well, that, that's actually, I wanted to talk happens. to you about that, you know, as a biochemist. Um, because <laughs> you know, the mechanisms, you know, you know, the dopamine and the serotonin and the way mm-hmm. that they interact with each other and the way that you can make it. So you, you can kind of like hack your own life in a way so that you're yeah. getting <laughs> your dopamine from positive. Like I always think about the Twitter trolls, which everybody has Twitter trolls that, that hound you all the time. And, and so do we as a poetry magazine, which is crazy, but they're getting mm-hmm. this dopamine hit from being negative and dumping negativity in the world. And every time they stir up drama, they get that a little adrenaline rush and then they get the dopamine mm-hmm. feedback loop and then they want to do it more. And instead of, of um, getting their dopamine from a positive place, like putting happiness in the world they're getting it from putting negative negativity in the world and um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i don't know so so do you think you know when you think about happiness do you think about in in terms of that sort of scientific mechanistic reality that's going on in your brain or do you not really think about a, that a, a little bit i mean it sounds as if you you thought about the, 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 this more than i have <laughs> but, but i think it is it is though that if you kind of get yourself started sometimes you can kind of keep it mm-hmm. going and you know and, I, and that again just back to the um the the moon metaphor i mean i i know it's kind of it's kind of in some ways it's overused but just it really spoke to me i, I think a lot about the uh the, the waxing crescent days of the moon just that little sliver of light and if you just lean on that light and kind of push it it will start to grow into you know a, a new fullness and, and i think it's kind of what we're talking about here mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of it's getting that 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 um, loop started. Yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. just finding different ways to like jumpstart your brain again. I guess mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah, and making the positive yeah. things a habit is, I think, so important. Yeah. You know? So yeah, 
Absolutely. Um, do you want to read some so, more poems, maybe from um, from the new book? Yeah, yeah. So, um, or whatever you want. I don't want to. I don't want to push you. It's your reading. Read no. Your reading. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> but, and I, I definitely, I totally appreciate being here. This is very cool. Yeah, it's a lot and, of fun. And, it's so easy like, for me, and, and it's really. I get to meet all the poets we publish now. It's really cool. <laughs> Without yeah. having to leave. Like, I love our little town we live in, so I uh, I never want to leave, and now I don't have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, okay, so I'm going to just go through um, skipping several pages at, at a time, mm-hmm. but um, stumbling t- toward happiness. Um, um, so if I forget to say the page n- number, just it's all in order. Okay, so it might yeah, be, I'll flip through. Skip, skipping several mm-hmm. pages, yeah, exactly. Okay, I'm going to start on, on page um, five with a uh, break. And this is sort of, um, you know, I think, I think um, you almost have to, um, it, it's hard to talk about happiness without talking about sadness. And I think by, by seeing someone's sadness, you can kind of understand their happiness more. You can kind of see what their happiness means to them and what they had to kind of fight against to get, to their happiness, you know, and, it, and it's sort of, it's in balance, like it's an equilibrium, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, so I guess I do think of it in some ways in a scientific Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think, well, you can't help it, I think, once you start, you know, if you're an analytical person, you analyze, I think that's what you do, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I am what I am, Yeah, right? yeah, okay. we all are. <laughs> okay, so um, on page five, break. And this is um, about the, the the moment that I accepted the fact that my, my mother would not recover. So I think just starting with the sadness and going into, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, here's break. On the floor, face wet, the carpet rough. It felt like looking over a cliff. No, not quite. Am I floating or falling? What a relief it is to reach the bottom and survive. Finally, from the sea trench of this particular ocean, there was nowhere to go but up. Now there was only up. Skirting the edge of sadness, not even light can escape this event horizon, but it won't quite get me. Page nine, freedom. He said, you have cast off many oppressive anchors, but there is one anchor remaining. You are circling around it. It is time you left out some rope. Thinking in terms of symbols can be helpful. And this one made sense to me. A circle made wider will eventually touch the horizons. I floated in the nighttime sea, its darkness washing over me like ink. The morning bled me in. I could not tell me where I'd been. On the same page, heliotrope. And just about that, um, noticing the sunshine, like those initial sparks that we're talking about, the happiness. Heliotrope. I walk out of the house. The sun is shining, so I lift my face. If I could just notice the sunshine, feel its warmth, Be for a moment the leaf of me. Bask, just bask. This warmth has been mine before and it will be be mine again. Let me brew this 
morning into a nectar that somehow sustains me. Sunrise sky, the fists of cherry buds begin to open. Page 20. Before, before we go on, let's, let's take, take a little, um, stick a little, little, uh, yeah. You know, thumbtack there. Brilliant. And um, <laughs> I, I think we should maybe explain a little bit about the hyben form itself. Because I think a lot of people oh, might yeah. not know what, totally what it is right. you're reading. I meant, to, I meant to get to that before we got yes. to the, this book and I forgot. Um, so so explain, yeah. explain how you got into um, hyben and what they are, if you don't mind. Sure. Absolutely. You know, and, and actually, because there were some questions about that, in small sense, I, I included in stumbling, I included like um, notes about the poetic giant in the back of the book because I figured this, there are a lot of questions about it. It's not a common form. I didn't know about it, you know, for a, a long time. So um, so it, it, it's a three-part, so um, it, it's a three-part, a haibun is a three-part poem. It has a title, a prose paragraph, and a haiku. And the way I think of it is that there are three parts of the triangle and they're all equal and they each have to kind of pulled it their own weight you know they can't repeat each other one can't really dominate and the meaning is in the middle so you have to leap into the middle and kind of see these parts and and kind of gather the meaning of the poem from that there to, and to me that the hardest part to to write is the title <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> yeah it's really hard and in this you know we talk about um you know having a good title that describes everything but in this series i kind of wanted to be one word titles, you know, and mm-hmm. most of them are. But um, and, and the other ones are um, some are, are tanka prose. So a tanka, um, well, I, I I should say, a haiku is not is not um, five seven five syllables. I mean, you, you can write a haiku in English that way, but they're usually are too wordy. Usually, it's just like a one breath observation based in nature that has two halves, and you kind of leap across. Um, the, the two halves, and it's a little epiphany or aha moment, and and um, and it, they're they're kind of magical in in in, in that way. It was actually really interesting. Um, the um, Richard uh, Gilbert a couple of weeks talking about um, yeah, could, yeah. yeah, and um, that was cool. Um, and uh, Tanka is is a five line poem related to haiku, but it's it's more like a I think of it as a song. They're they're very a very short mm-hmm. song. <laughs> they're they're very like m- melodic, um, but again, there's usually some sort of epiphany or you know um, that comes along with them. And and when you have um, a, instead of a haibun with a, a haiku at the end, there is a, um, a a tanka at the end, and that's tanka prose. So there's a, a title, a prose paragraph, and a mm-hmm. tanka that's called tanka prose. So this is both. There's both in this yeah, book. Yeah, I, I think of um, you know the 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 hyphen is a really interesting form because there's we were talking like we were talking about with uh, Richard Gilbert about the way that that poetry mm-hmm. is a way to access sort of the ineffable or the things that you um, already know but don't really know how to articulate. And um, and there's a way uh-huh. there's a really interesting way where the haiku uses language to do that. It uses juxt- juxtaposition and metaphor and these leaps of logic and connections that you didn't know were there. But then the the prose part uh-huh. shows how you can also use narrative to get there, and and you can explore things uh-huh. through storytelling. Uh, and 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 so so they're sort of about the same indescribable thing. Um, 
but but done from the completely opposite angles. So they're always really interesting to sort mm-hmm. of demonstrate for people, I think, what poetry really is doing, which is sort of exploring the world and finding new ways to make understandings and meanings out of uh, our experiences. But you can do it through language, like purely language and metaphor, or you can do it through sto- narrative mm-hmm. storytelling. And and so the and the haibun mm-hmm. is um, a way to do both at the same time, which is really interesting just to is a demonstration of how that works. Yeah, and, and um, um, I think originally uh, it, it, they were were used as sort of in sort of travel mm-hmm. journals, and so. But I was kind of thinking of them in terms of like going someplace like on a trip. You're going someplace in your thoughts, and so it's sort of like an internal travel journal, if you will, <laughs> is, is what sampling is. So it's, yeah, that makes a lot yeah. of sense. But yeah. Uh, so I can yeah read some yeah more. please do that's mm-hmm. sounds yeah. good okay we, we get a drink of water here so okay on on page um, twenty metronome um, it, it it's sort of in, it, the idea of 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 the big steps we take are made of little steps and the little steps are the only way to really get there um, and that. I think with happiness, it's always a work in progress. Um, so it's just about that mm-hmm. keep stepping, keep moving, you know? So this is called metronome, which is about that rhythmic walking. Um, metronome. My task is to learn how to walk, just walk on the spinning ground amid the coolness of clover and the echoes of morning doves. Just walk as best I can with grace and not judge myself or others too harshly when I stumble or we stumble on this uneven ground that is the place of our stepping, the land upon which we learn what it is to walk. Cathedrals of trees erect a stained glass ceiling, blue and green, my rising prayer, as clumsy as begging. on page uh, 24, Reflection. And this is sort of something I play with, too, is a little bit is uh, different ways of knowing. Um, So um, there's science and and logic, but there's also is 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 faith. And I I was actually was raised in a very uh, oppressive religion. So faith was difficult for me mm-hmm. for a long time and so it's actually it's it's, it's interesting to kind of um be able to see things from from multiple perspectives yeah. i guess so uh reflection at, at night the bright side of the moon indicates the location of the set sun the sun is no longer visible but i know it is there Call it science or a lesson in object permanence, sure. But there is a type of faith in it, too, like knowing the planet spins while I sleep. My faith is not groundless, just a belief that a source of light remains, even if all I can see are traces of it. Weary of winter, monochrome minds awaken to spring. Oh. oh, taxonomy, which is in the, 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 thank you. Oh, our pleasure. 
the, the, the summer issue, yes. And, um, and that's in here too. Um, but it's just um, about how difficult it can be to kind of pull apart the cause and effect of our feelings and our experiences, you know, and just trying to figure out the, 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 our, our, our basal state, our mm -hmm. base, you know. So um, taxonomy. Oh, page 33, sorry. <laughs> I did not know what I was carrying. Despair, anguish, denial, co-evolving hosts and parasites. You might be carrying something too. We, we might not remember the births of our beasts given the complexity of their narratives and their various gestation periods, but I work to untangle the sticky phylogenetic heap of them into individual animals. As I set my burden to rest in the sunshine, I find that every mess is finite. I name each creature as I free it and stroke it lovingly behind the ears. They cannot help that they are or that I coddled them so long. I welcome the ones that belong to me and tame my cluttered ecology. The rest are released to the wild. Sleeping summer, my deepest grief, rolls over. On the, on the same page, um, labyrinthine, and that's just about um, honoring the process, not expecting the destination because I think the, the destination is in, is in the process and our challenges and, and what we get from our challenges. Um, labyrinthine. Each step in the forest helps me see around a different tree. One tree is a clarity I found while walking here. The river is a meditation of what it means to roam. Some stones set themselves as cairns to show I have not fallen off the map, while the wind urges me to quit the compass. How much of life's richness here beneath my feet do I miss while I search for a clearing beyond the populace of trees? I cannot let my attention discredit this essential wandering. The questions are pointing me to the quests held within them. Clarity from the swirling eddies, a planet coalesces from silt just about every day. Oh, I'm just going to keep on going unless. Yeah, yeah, keep going. We, <laughs> yeah, if you haven't done, I know, I'm, I'm trying to learn how to balance, you know, how much poetry and how much talking we should do. Because um, both are fun. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know. So, yeah, yeah. Keep, why don't you read a couple more? Okay, all right, that sounds good. Um, uh, 39, um, primitive, and this is, this is when I, I really, um, is special to me as, as, I, as, I, um, as, as I get uh -huh. older. <laughs> I, 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 the, 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 the summer I, I, I mm -hmm. turned 50, so it's, it's actually, um, this is great. Uh, primitive, I, I am going to honor my topography my sunlight and shadow, and flaunt whatever natural, unadorned beauty I have. Worry and laughter fold themselves into creases as my hair tumbles into waxing crescents. 
These days I wear the plumage of a well-traveled bird, and I own my markings like a tree owns the, the texture of its bark. Her hair, a single a silver tangle of moonlight, she returns, eyes wild with forest. And um, one that's kind of uh, related to that in page 40. Um, here. And this is when I was thinking about um, um, the, or the transience of, of life and also Michelangelo's sculptures. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and it came out this way. So I live, a, I, I am a living artwork, muddy and messy. I touch the scar on my left hand that shows even a dull knife can cut. I touch the angry word and see it too is made of letters that pull apart. I touch a wrinkle and consider that the body and the soul tell different stories. As my body ages, my soul becomes lighter. This is how the marble of me is carved into a sculpture that will one day release the angel within it. Shell beach, the armor we give up to grow. You can see the Michelangelo yeah, yeah. in there. I, I love that, uh, that <laughs> metaphor. As my body ages, my soul becomes lighter. That's a really cool way to think about life and death. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. um, I think one of the yeah. interesting things about this book, if I if I read it right, these uh, the prose were from your um, an old blog that you did, right? Yeah. And so so the yeah, uh, and, and that was I think I read it was two thousand like six or something. Is that what you say in the book? Like that you were doing that? Yeah. So, um, so it's almost like you're in dialogue with your former self, right? Um, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's exactly right. You know, and I, I had all of these, um, you know, the, these posts that you know I, I thought were actually pretty cool. Just that no mm -hmm. one was reading them, and yeah. that was fine because it was it was for me. But then I still had them, and then after I started to write all this tanka and, and haiku, I kind of used those blog posts as is writing prompts for mm -hmm. myself so I could kind of channel in that that former self into this newer self and kind of like you said mm -hmm. like a conversation do, do you do you do you have the experience so, I'm just kind of curious myself if, uh, did you feel like the the former self was an entirely different person because more and more lately I don't know if it's a getting older thing but I feel like like th like every yeah. sort of day of me is like a different me and I like I because I mm -hmm. barely remember doing all the things I have to do. So I sort of have to trust that I did the right thing at that time. And I'm kind of realizing mm -hmm. that that sense of, um, you know, I'm me today, but the, but the me from 10 years ago is not the same person. Did you feel that as you were writing these uh, haiku in Tanka? Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't feel I mean, like some of these things I talk about with the, the different stages of, of, of the, the process of kind of stumbling mm -hmm. toward happiness, you know, um, that, that, that journey, I'm not at all this yeah, stage yeah. anymore, but you know, it's kind of cool because, cause those were mm -hmm. real and authentic. And so it's, it's, it's kind of cool to kind of yeah, tell a story yeah. with mm -hmm. them in a way. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Um, yeah. Well, we're coming up on, on, um, seven o'clock, um, or well, well, 10 o'clock your time. Or 10 o'clock. <laughs> um, so, so I don't know. Do you think yeah. we, we talked about happiness enough? Is there anything you want to add about it? Like, I, I, um, I don't know. I, I just think happiness is such a fascinating topic because it's one of those things that I don't think people, yeah. um, 
you know, we, we, it's one of those words that we don't, like I had to look up the definition because it's such a common word that almost means nothing. Yeah. You know, I, 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 when I think about happiness, right. I also think of, um, back like 20 years ago at the beginning of online dating, I think there was like, okay, Cupid or something. And you'd check out a site <laughs> and everybody would say, um, I like to have fun. And, and I just thought about that fun. Like, what the hell does fun mean? I mean, like, you assume that fun for you means something, um, but, but fun for you yeah. is not fun for me. And, um, and there's a weird way we do that with happiness, too, where we, we don't really have the definition. Like, there's the dictionary definition, and then there's this way, like, huge um, connotative way that we think about it, which has nothing to do with the dictionary definition, which is more about, like you're talking about stumbling and the journey. And it feels to me like the pursuit uh-huh. of happiness is really what we mean by happiness or like fulfillment is really more what a lot of people mean. Um, anyway, wh- what is your, your conception well, of, of happiness? That's, it's kind of the main thing I'm curious about. So let's talk about that and then close out with a few last poems. Okay. All right. That, that, that sounds great. You know, um, and I, um, I, I kind of, uh, I agree with you. I mean, so I think, I think people a lot of times are still after that, like mm-hmm. ice cream happiness, you know, or in, in kind of, but, I, but you know, you, I, I did the same thing as I do when I'm writing a poem, I look up the definition of words that mm-hmm. I think I already yeah. know what they mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> but it was interesting because a lot of times like the word joy is kind of, used to mean that more stable, deep happiness hmm, and happiness is used to mean that Defeating, like surface fleeting, yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, based on circumstances, yeah. happiness, um, you know, and if everyone's happiness is unique. I mean, your happiness, my happiness are not mm-hmm. the same happiness. We're, but, but I think when we, um, we're always trying to seek that, that, that uh, destination, we kind of miss what is. And we also miss that, Things are not perfect. Things are never going to be perfect. I mean, and, but that's the way they're supposed to be. And if we, if they were, I think it actually would be worse <laughs> in a way because you know, when when we you know um, mm-hmm. struggle and when we need help, that's how we that's how yeah, we learn empathy yeah. and how mm-hmm. we learn compassion and how we learn gratitude. And when we, you know, we if everything was easy, we would never learn how to be strong and have patience. And I mean learn how to really love because you know love is based on like you know things aren't perfect but i love you Mm -hmm. anyway as opposed to i like you which is really very more surface Mm -hmm. you know i like you opposed to you know i I acknowledge that things Mm -hmm. are not perfect but that's love so it it, it's actually there's a lot of um of positive things that come from imperfection and being on the path as opposed to trying to find some destination which we really won't i think unless except in like you know momentary mm-hmm. you know times it, it, it's um but but i think when we can simplify our lives we kind of can cast off some of those blankets that you know of expectation or just things that kind of pile up on us um to connect more with that mm-hmm. inner joy that is more stable and that takes practice. Yeah, yeah. So that's just the way I see it at all. <laughs> yeah, it's just so interesting that there's so many words we have that have so many different yeah. meanings that are completely unrelated, really, mm-hmm. in, a, in a weird way. Like we, you know, it, you can just see how limited language actually is when you just look at some words mm-hmm. like happiness. And, um, and, and that's really mm-hmm. the need for poetry is to, to make clear what that yeah. happiness actually mm-hmm. is. Um, 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you have, yeah, to express what is beyond words mm -hmm. using words. That's how I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is, I think. Um, Well, do you want Mm -hmm. to finish out with a few more, maybe like two more poems or something like that? Okay. Sure. Let me see here. Um, (laughs) I I, I did actually really like narrow it, it down. So, um, okay, um, 79, Wildflower. To be without scars is to be separate from the world. To be in the world is to be sullied and stained with striving and transcendence. Under the skin of living, I am co-less and complete in this moment born of a universe built on unending love. My form contains the balance of this physical plane while my truest source sings its notes of eternity. I am born into wonder as my natural state, untamed, unashamed, vibrant. There is nothing to find beyond this abundance of inner being. What is layered on top is secondary to this. Nothing but love and truth and yes can persist. The matter of all things continues to expand. So that's wildflower. And I will end with um, ready. Um, 81. And uh, to, to me, this is... Um, with this, I, I think about setting aside our own um, self-imposed limitations, embracing possibility. <clears throat> Ready. If you want to enter the roots of a tree, say a grand oak or a modest maple, you will find a way to fit. This is where the magic be- be- begins, like a capillary action that asks us to rise to unimaginable heights above common disbelief and denial. Once in the xylem, we stretch and branch into endless possibilities of wonder, all pathways sincere, the syrup of it carrying us onward like a great unlearning. Because when we emerge into all that is green and shameless and waiting like paper, when we become the leaf we find a benevolent sun that has been eager to enliven us with its primordial palate. We find an unutterable compassion that has traveled through space and time to apply its vibrant brushwork to our bare base, a reaching that has been ready to dazzle us all along. Blackbird from a morning shadow lifting. Yeah, I love that haiku oh. at the end. And I, I, I feel that I have to say that when I read a haibun as a submission, um, I always read the haiku mm-hmm. first. Because if the haiku isn't any good, there's mm-hmm. no point in reading the, all the pro- <laughs> And And, and you're, you have yeah. really great haiku. Um, how, just, to, just to finish off, Thank how you. did you get into haiku? I think you're, um, you know, the blurbs on the back of your book come from all the really well-known um, haiku poets are a bunch from Alan Summers, mm-hmm. Michael Railing, and Terry yeah. French, who are all really um, you know big in the haiku mm-hmm. community. Amazing. Um, did you recently get into haiku, yeah. or you know how did that happen? No, well, actually, it, um, it um, so so back when I had the 
my blog, I started on, on Twitter. I've been on Twitter for, I just was told I had my 11th anniversary on Twitter. Like, wow, oh, wow. I don't have an 11th anniversary. It's like, yeah. that's wild, right? But so, um, but it, it just, as an outlet, and um, I kind of met other poets really easily, or, you know, at the time I wasn't really writing that much, but then I kind of found the haiku community, because haiku and tanka lend themselves really well mm -hmm. to Twitter. And I kind of, I was so fascinated. And so I, I had, I, I asked some um, friends in that community, like, help me to learn the, this form. This is so, this is so cool. And I would just like, you know, I kept on working at it. And it wasn't until after I, I um, Moonful of Moons was um, published and, and out in the world that I submitted to a journal for the first time. And it was a, mm -hmm. it was haiku at that point. Cause at that point I was, I was uh -huh. already yeah. hooked. Yeah. People get hooked. hooked yeah, they hooked do. It happens. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, anyway, um, Kat Lehman, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you and, and looking at these three books. Um, um, and and I'll, I'll see you soon. Yeah, thank yeah. So keep much. everything coming. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank Tim. you. I appreciate it. Uh, so once again, we were looking at Kat Lehman's uh, three of her books. Um, the most recent is Stumbling Toward Happiness, which is those those hybrid and hybrid poems. Um, a lot of uh, tanka prose is the word, is what you'd call it when um, when they're tanka at the end instead of a haiku. But um, so stumbling toward happiness. Then we also have uh, small stones from the river and moonful of moons. The three books uh, by Kat Lehman. Um, I think you can pick them up. Uh, Amazon is where to buy them because they're published on Create Space. But but um, Kat Lehman's press is Twenty Nine Trees Press, which she started. And I, I meant to ask her if she's, uh, you know, interested in publishing other people or, or just this, these are for her own books. But check out 29 Trees at, on Facebook and, um, and check out these books. So let's move on to the open mic. Um, as always, this is how the open mic works. Um, uh, if you send me a quick chat message over Skype, I will uh, reply and let you know that you're on. Um, try to read. Well, I don't know. I mean, it, it's totally up to you. But um, uh, Kitty Carpenter just texted me a little while ago and asked about um, if people consider these poems published. Uh, if you read them, uh, if this, you know, because it's going to be archived on YouTube. If it's an unpublished poem, will a journal want to publish them later? I think it's ridiculous that uh, a magazine wouldn't, if that's the case. But um, but someone might. So you might want to consider only reading uh, already published poems for that reason. Um, but the choice is totally up to you. And I think, you know, for Rattle, I would not care whatsoever if uh, somebody read it. Because it's the same thing as an open mic. You know, it's recorded. So it's, I guess it's published and it's public. But um, but but print, you know, and technically the copyright for print versus audio and video are entirely different copyrights anyway. So um, whatever. I, I don't know. So you might want to read poems that are already published and you might not want to. So that was for Kitty Carpenter. She was asking about that. Um, and it's, it was hard that, because there was a lot of talking in that interview, it was hard to write back to her uh, chat message. But uh, we do have Emilio Puerta uh, wanting to call in on Skype, so we'll get to him in a little bit. Uh, but first, let's do a couple, uh, couple pre-recorded open mics. And, and once again, uh, if you want to call in on Skype and do the live open mic, just give me a, a chat message to Rattle Poetry. That's our handle. You'll find it easily enough. Um, let's see what we've got. Ah, let's start out. We were going to do this last week. Uh, this is Elizabeth S. Wolf, who was um, featured on episode 
Where was she? Episode number four of the Rattlecast. So if you like this poem and want to hear more from Elizabeth S. Wolf, of course, we published her chapbook, Did You Know? And she sent this in for the open mic. Um, and she's from, of course, Mary Mack, Massachusetts. So uh, let's look. Uh, let's give this poem a read. This is Elizabeth S. Wolf. Hi, my name is Elizabeth Wolf. I'm calling in from Massachusetts. I was blessed to read last week as the author of the chapbook, Did You Know? And one of the things I talked about last week was writing with prompts and timed writing and journaling. So I'd like to read a poem that started with a prompt. And and in the beginning, it was very long. In fact, an earlier version that was kind of the long version was published online at Scarlet Leaf Review. And then as I kept revising, I was tinkering with the beginning, I was tinkering with the ending, and I realized that all the energy was in this one piece, and the really, this was the poem. It's published in my chapbook, What I Learned, from Finishing Line Press. The poem is called Revelation, and the prompt is the quote, If I were to tell you what I see, would you love me still? From Janet Longsadler. Revelation. Here in the pale green hallways, a skeleton is staring, drugged eyes sunk in bony sockets. He tried to starve himself, wasted away to frailty and chills. Now he munches right toast, walking slowly on skinny white legs, leaving a trail of dry crumbs. Walks past the Jew who decided one night that he was the true Jesus, who walked out barefoot through the snow, proclaiming his message and all that was divine, who was carried back in raving and now sits rocking, 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 cradling feet swathed in white bandages, covering blackened, frostbitten skin, nearly lost toes. He believes the doctors down in the ER drained all of his powers, all of his sacred love. He seeks his debrided skin as if the shredded scales are holy, as if we could still be saved. Elizabeth S. Wolf reading Revelation. And uh, thanks so much, Elizabeth, for doing this. Uh, you can go to rattle.com slash rattlecast and find the instructions on how to submit poems for the open mic. And do, like like Elizabeth did when you submit, introduce the poem. Say where you're from. Tell what the poem's about. Because we want to feel like we're all here enjoying poetry together. And... Um, um, that's how you got to do it. So, so be sure to say who you are, where you come from, and um, and uh, introduce the poem as you would a reading or something like that, because that's what we want to do. Um, you know, not everybody has the the internet capability or the uh, you know, the right timing to be able to call in on the open mic. But if you can't, you can always uh, pre-record it like this. But but make it make it, make it feel like you're actually doing an open mic because that's that's what we want. And this is also I should I should mention too. This is a audio only podcast which you can find on pretty much everywhere uh, you can find podcasts. So go to SoundCloud, type in Rattle Poetry, go to Stitcher, um, all those other ones. Tune in. The only one we haven't gotten approval yet for iTunes, but we're waiting uh, for them to. They're looking at this. The, the podcast and, and I'm waiting for approval on that. But eventually these will be audio only podcasts. So it'll feel like it, it's actually live, even if it's not. So um, even if it's pre-recorded. Uh, let's look at the next poem. What do we have here? Let's see. This is The Clinic by Bill Ratner. And uh, let's see. Bill Ratner is a Los Angeles poet, uh, voice artist, 
and essayist. He's a nine-time winner of the Moth Story Slam, so this should be good. His website is Bill Ratner. That's B-I-L-L-R-A-T-N-E-R dot com. So find him there. That's Bill Ratner. And this is his poem, The Clinic. Here we go. This is Bill Ratner in Los Angeles. My poem, The Clinic, is published in the Lock Raven Review. The Clinic. My Aunt Ellie drives me to the clinic. Snowdrifts flecked with asphalt like black pepper on eggs, melting on the curb in the early morning sun. The snow will refreeze tonight and leak more blackened weather down the sewer tomorrow. My Aunt Ellie has convinced my mother I need to talk to someone other than her and the rest of my aunties. There's no one left but aunties. My grandmas and grandpas have died. Most of the uncles have passed on, and the ones who haven't have drifted away like pine logs down the Mississippi River. Even my mom is an auntie. Maybe she is my auntie and not my mom. What's the difference? They all look the same, bottoms big as Buicks, breasts tinted by sailcloth and little flowers like spring fling at the Botanical Society. I've had carnal with most of them, in my head anyway, a different auntie every morning, before I get dressed for work. Sunday they all baked me something. It's a plan they have to make me zippy again, like when I was a tiny child. Like in the old days, they say. My Aunt Collie made a half-dozen Swedish croissant, a cream-colored excuse for dog snacks. My Aunt Ellie baked me a half-dozen oatmeal cookies, hard as hockey pucks. They take me to the gardens, and I nab those cookies and skip them across Minicawaga Pond, splish, splash, splash, like round rocks on Lake Superior. They angle their way down to their deaths on the bottom. Now, Billy, how are they going to clean those cookies out of the pond? asks my Aunt Ellie. Well, they could just turn up the heat and boil them off like mosquitoes, I say. They don't have heat in the pond. You remember the pond. You used to put your little boats in it. My Aunt Ellie's voice is like a milk truck spilled over in a gully with its engine idling. My mom, or Aunt Mommy as I call her, made me a date pudding that stands up like a penis on a puppy. It just sits there on its plate, angry, shimmering, ready to attack. I was afraid it was going to melt like a tiny child and die in the grass. On the clinic wall, a light goes on. In a dark office, Dr. Nelson, a cramped man, stubs out his cigarette in a moose antler ashtray and slides a stack of inkblot drawings across his desk. These are from Switzerland, like the chocolate, he says. I'm going to show them to you one at a time. You will tell me what you see. He edges his chair toward me. I stare down at the pages, and words come out of me like in a fast game of charades. This picture is a dead bug, but he's comfortable now. His stripes are not clothing. They're nature's designs, I say. Is he scary? asks Dr. Nelson. No, he's dead. Rushing through the pictures, I say things like stag, squashed, pointy. I figure the words are related to my thoughts, but I'm not embarrassed. I'm happy someone's interested. Are you all right for time, he asks. I'm confused by the question. Time is a bitter expanse. It yawns at me, cocoons me, propels me like a touch hole at the end of a burning wick. When does your school start, he asks. I glance at my watch. 
Well, I have to be standing in the hall outside my office bright and early at 8 o'clock, I say. Uh, I should go. Yes, you should, he says. A school principal can't be late to school on a Monday morning. So once again, that was uh, Bill Ratner reading The Clinic from Los Angeles, California. Hopefully you didn't hear me coughing. I thought I had my mic off. Um, but another great reading, and you could you could tell that, that uh, Bill Ratner was a voice artist. I wish I could read a poem like him. That was really amazing. Uh, let's try to give a call to Emilio Puerta. down for you Emilio can you hear me here you go so you're on and now your uh, your audio and video are here so if you want to show that yeah feel free to show it while you read that'd be great this is again this is Emilio Puerta from Canada from Canada yeah from Toronto I remember from yeah. last time yeah oh here in Canada so uh it's gonna set this up so this is the my little um page if any can see am I up yeah, you're up. You're ready to go. Um, I don't see your page right now, but I will in a second, probably. All right. Whatever. It's okay. okay. So I'm reading off my, again, I'm reading off my writerscafe.org. Um, and I thought I could share a screen. I thought that could be a thing. Dang. Okay. Um, my writerscafe.org page. And I'll be, and i reading a poem called The Carousel. Um, and I'll just get to it. It may seem lively, swift, Idea. It may seem languid, dull, surreal. It all depends on how we feel upon the carousel. We rise to only come back down. At times we laugh, at times we frown. Amidst the green, red, white, and brown upon the carousel. To try for more velocity, we kick our mounts but find that we have not so much authority upon the carousel. The music plays its lilting tune as though our driving force and boom beneath the sun, beneath the moon, upon the carousel. Still up and down, still going strong, preserving right and shunning wrong, we learn that nothing lasts too long upon the carousel. Should there be breakdowns, brave the trial. Should love be found, stay true and smile. Whatever we do must be worthwhile upon the carousel. The music fades and warns to stun. Our mounts grow weary from the run. We give them thanks for all the fun upon the carousel. However, being satisfied, we shortly find ourselves astride another mount once more to ride upon the carousel. Well, thank you, Emilio Puerta. Uh, thanks so much for calling again. You were here, I think, last week, right? And uh, yeah, it's great that you call in again. I hope. Uh, I think um, you know, not everybody knows how to use Skype, but it's really easy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we have it, it is. Yeah, I mean, you got to step into the twenty first century, like Emilio <laughs> does. Uh, that was a great poem. Thanks so much for sharing. I love the refrain there. That was a really good refrain, and and poems with a refrain really work well uh, orally. You know, listening to them. So uh, yeah, thanks so much for reading that, and I hope you call it again soon. Alrighty, will do. Yeah, yeah. Have a good night. You too. Okay, so that was uh, once again that was Emilio Puerta uh, from Toronto, Canada, calling in. If you'd like to call in too, all you have to do is send me a chat message on Skype, and uh, I'll give you a call when the timing is right. 
Uh, it's really easy. And if you don't have chat or Skype on your phone yet, all you have to do is uh, download the app. It's free. It's really easy to use. And uh, like I said, it is the 21st century, so you should uh, know how to use Skype if you can, because that's where the world's going, man. Let's look up uh, what we have next. So that was the last one. That was Bill Ratner. Ah, here's James Walton. Uh, he's from uh, Wanthaggy, Australia. Oh, I should say, uh, James Walton lives in Wanthaggy in a 1910 house, which was once a maternity hospital. That's interesting. His work has appeared in many magazines, anthologies, and newspapers. He was a librarian, a farm worker, and mostly a public sector unionist. So here's... James Walton, reading Letter to Lois. Hi, my name's James Walton. I'm from Australia. This is a poem from my new collection, Unstill Mosaics, which is available on all the usual platforms. I hope you enjoyed. It was previously published in Your One Phone Call in Wales. And the poem is called Letter to Lois. I've experienced falling, but never in such a tumble twirling like a tin can. I wanted to tell you, without the safety of a cloak's heightened perspective, how much I love your human fragility, the joy in a wind chime, to feel the scissor depth of an ending, the gothic pages of ink, newsprint wrapping a bouquet, the short speech of balloons, a stagey mess of comic action figurines. Tell Jimmy, my favourite one, is still you and me in Mufti, holding out our press cards, the ill-fitting fake lenses, my gin to your tonic. And now I'm way past the speed of time's sight, where our shape has no dimension, holding on to this cobalt crypto rock, because I don't want the superpower of living without you forever. So once again, that was James Walton from Wanthaggy, Australia, reading Letter to Lois. Thanks so much, uh, James. Another great reading and, and an excellent poem. Um, if you notice, I, I've already noticed this trend where uh, most of the people who are um, doing the pre-recorded option are um, from out of the country. And I think I have a, I have a theory already. Uh, as we talked about uh, with Kat Lehman, analytical people are always analytical, and I can't help it. But I think what's happening is that people intend... Uh, if they're in the U.S. and they could possibly watch the show live and call in over Skype, uh, they're less likely to do a pre-recorded poem. And uh, the people who uh, are living abroad, and you know, it's it's like, what time would it be in Australia right now? Like four a.m. I think. Uh, in Australia, maybe maybe not even later. But the people who can't call in right now uh, do the pre-recorded because they they know they're not going to be able to. So that means that a lot of people would like to call in on Skype and just don't. So uh, hopefully we'll get more as this this show progresses. Let's look up. Uh, let's see what we have next. After letter to Lois, we have ah Peter Specker, also known as Twixt, which is his mononym. Um, let's see where does it go. Uh, Twix is the mononym uh, of poet Peter Specker. He's had poetry published in Rattle, um, and I can even recite the poem from memory. Um, It is just this. It is leaves pasted on the surface of the water by their lightness. Another great haiku-like poem from Twix. 
He's also had poetry published in Prairie Schooner, Stand, Tulane Review, and so many others. His chapbook, Less is More, may be found online at Azure Magazine. And he lives in Clearwater, Florida. I met him once um, a long time ago. I wonder if he even remembers or... Uh, I'm sure he does, I guess. Uh, but he was living in Ithaca, and I had a poetry reading when my own book was coming out way back, like 11 or 12 years ago. It seems like a long time ago. Um, and I met Peter. He came to the reading. The funny thing is the uh, nobody had the key to the bookstore we were supposed to have the reading at, so we did it in the alley next to the bookstore. It was really really the most memorable reading I've ever done, actually. Um, most people... Um, you know, people brought candles and stuff, and Peter Specker was there, also known as Twixt. So here is, these are some short poems by Peter Specker. Um, let's see. I think this is him. This is Peter Specker. I live in Clearwater, Florida, formerly Ithaca, New York, formerly Los Angeles, California, formerly... Astoria, Queens, New York City. I write as the poet Twixt. I'm very happy to submit some haiku. I very much enjoyed and learned from the interview in Rattle with Richard Gilbert. Arigato gozaimasta. Mr. Gilbert. Summer rains touch down. The puddles perfect circles, circle, uncircle. A one line shorter version. Drops, circles, puzzle, puddles. Rivers stream along. Speaking simple sign language, they slowly express. Slow-growing forests, endorsing the vertical over and over. Muddy lawn ibis. The orange beak halfway down is halfway up brown. Window, watching rain, not watching me, watching, wash. Meat, playing possum, found by flies, flowers, showers of departure and return. Plant, by waiting a week, I watch it grow. Casting a line. Casting its shadow. Birds dragging fast shadows over the field. So once again, that was Twixt, uh, Peter Specker, reading a bunch of short haiku-inspired poems. Thanks so much, Peter. It was great to hear from you again. It's been a while. Uh, Always nice to hear from you. Uh, Let's see what we have next. Okay, this is Eulogy by Samantha Hawkins, and this is our last poem of the night, I guess. I'm not seeing the poem by, hmm, 
We're missing Carrie Magnus Radness. So I must have forgot to print that out. Sorry, Carrie. We will do your poem next week. Um, but it's already 7.30, which is the time, 7.30 for me, which is the time I plan on ending these. Uh, so here is Samantha Higgin Hawkins from Powder Springs, Georgia. Uh, she's a creative thinker, dreamer, and connoisseur of all candies, lifesaver related. She's also a frequent contributor to madswirl.com. Um, she's currently at work on her first collection of poems, uh, and she's seeking donations of witty one-liners and throwaway idioms to serve as the opening lines of future works. So check her out. Um, when she's not writing, she is thinking about how she can um, ever so stealthily slip away to return to her writing. And when she cannot do that, you may find her improvising small talk with cleverly rephrased folk song references. Uh, so that was Samantha Hawkins from Powder Springs, Georgia. And here she goes. Greetings. My name is Samantha Hawkins, and I am calling from Powder Springs, Georgia. I describe myself as a creative thinker, dreamer, and the occasional poet. I'm a frequent contributor to MadSwirl.com, which is basically just a beautiful and brilliant online gallery of creative literature and art. The poem which I'll be reading today is entitled Eulogy. It was written for my mother, who I love more than life itself. Eulogy. You were the wine that drained me lonely. You were the word that killed me softly. You were the minutes that tested my hourglass. You were the ring of glory to my Jupiter. You were the angels suing my ghosts away. You were the band of fingers galloping on my strings. You were the only song I knew all the words to. You were the Spanish moss green beneath me. You were the skinny denim swords blue above me. You were my favorite text message in the middle of work. You were the milk before it soured in the gallon. You were the honey before the bee kicked back. You were the Niagara Falls that washed over my frame. You were the brimstone rain that baptized me. You were the winter snowfall that dressed me. You were the summer fruit cocktail that disarmed me. You were the spring wind chimes that awoke me. You were the fall leaves that tickled at my bare heels. You were the hand that cupped my soldier. You were the saddle that ran up the wall of my side. You were the crack of the belt that buckled me. You were the chopping block and knife that carved me. It's a beautiful poem once again. Uh... By Samantha Hawkins of Powder Springs, Georgia. Thanks so much for sending that. Uh, that was a poem for Valerie, her mother, who she loved more than herself. Very touching. And, and I actually got to enjoy that poem because I don't have much left to do at the end of the show. Um, but I did find the poem that I missed. So here, we'll finish off with this last poem. This is Carrie Magnus Radna. And she will be reading. Uh, she's from uh, New York, New York. 
and she'll be reading Golden Hour. And she said, um, she's an archival audiovisual uh, cataloger at the New York Public Library, a singer, a lyricist, songwriter, and a poet who loves travel. Her first chapbook, Conversations with Dead Composers at Carnegie Hall by Flutter Press, was published on January 18th, 2019. And her second book, Remembering You as I Go Walking by Boxwood Star Press, was published in August 23rd, 2019, so just a couple weeks ago. Congratulations on that, Carrie. Uh, she was born in Norman, Oklahoma, and she lives with her husband, Rudolph, in Manhattan now. And uh, here she is. This will be the last poem of the day. She'll be reading Golden Hour from her uh, new chapbook that just came out a couple weeks ago. Thanks so much, Carrie. Here she goes. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name's Carrie Magnus Rana, and I'm from New York City. I just recently published um, my second chapbook called Remembering You As I Go Walking. And it's by Boxwood Star Press, which is my own press. Um, what I'm going to be reading is called Golden Hour. From Avenue A to Abington Square, I trace my tracks toward the setting sun on one of the most loveliest afternoons one week before the summer solstice, stopping only for a vegan ice cream handmade by adorable, tattooed, black-eyed, lined angel girls who top off every Sunday with coconut whipped cream and an organic black cherry. That made the trip worth taking. The L.E.S. still rang his punk bell since the early 80s. Young punks still piss and moan mildly on the street under tagged tenement buildings as old-timers and confused tourists escaped into rusts and daughters and cats. On Orchard Street, I was feeling nostalgic. But since I misplaced the boutique where I bought my wedding dress 12 years earlier, I had no business remaining there. 4th Street brought me to Cooper Square, NoHo, Lafayette, and NYU. The sky slowly turned golden. I wanted some more daytime in the East Village before darkness claimed its hold in the city. So I walked to Bleecker, a special street. Sometimes I wish it was a man so I could both fuck and romance it. As the sky grew blank, bands of blue, gray, pink... I rode the N-12 home, chasing the last magnificent dregs of this golden hour, of this golden day to evening, crossing under the High Line, lapping by the Manatee Hudson towards home, to the middle of the city. So once again, that was Carrie Magnus Radna reading Golden Hour from her new book that just came out a couple weeks ago from Boxstar Press, Remember You As I Go Walking. Thanks so much, Carrie. Uh, it's always a pleasure to do these open mics. Um, I have no idea what's coming up, and it's really fun to, to hear uh, what poets are going to do. So thanks so much for everybody who has uh, taken the time to record a poem and send it in. Um, I meant to say earlier that you, meant, you noticed um, Elizabeth uh, Wolf, when she was talking, talked about last week. That's because we have a month-long backlog already of these uh, poems for the pre-recorded open mic. So if you've already submitted, we'll get to you eventually. Don't worry. I'm not screening anybody for anything other than the sound quality. So um, 
whatever you sent will be great i just have to get to it because we have a you know we have like dozens of poems already lined up to go over the next couple of weeks um so that's it for the today's show i hope you enjoyed it um once again the book of the day was uh cat layman's stumbling toward happiness so pick that up if you can from uh 29 trees press which is her own press um She's got an interesting story, too, that I read somewhere about about the name and where that comes from. So check that out if you can. That's Stumbling Toward Happiness by Kat Lehman. Get it on Amazon.com, which is the best place to get it. Um, well, I hope you enjoyed this show, and uh, I hope you uh, send in some stuff for the open mic coming up in the future. Um, be sure to get Skype on your phone and learn how to use it, and we can do more Skype open mics uh, next week. We have Alexander Umlas, who, if, you, um, if you're tuning in late, I read one of her poems from the current issue of Rattle at the beginning of the show. is the warm-up poem, um, her show called um, Dissection. But she has a new book called At the Table of the Unknown, and we'll be talking about that, and uh, she'll be reading poems from her book. So tune in next Tuesday at the same time, as always, and uh, we'll see you there. Have a great, have a great rest of your week.